Welcome to Whole and Holy, the Bethel Seminary podcast. I'm Dr. Peter Vogt. I'm the Dean of Bethel Seminary, and I'm the host of this podcast. My guest today is Joel Lawrence. He's the pastor of Central Baptist Church in St. Paul. He's a, a member of and soon to be executive director of the Center for Pastor Theologians. He's a Bonhoeffer scholar who served as professor of theology at Bethel Seminary from 2005 to 2013 when he left to begin pastoring Central Baptist Church. He and his wife, Mindy, have four kids, and they live in St. Paul. Joel, thanks so much for being a part of this podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to do it. Thanks for inviting me. You know, we are living in the midst of a strange time, and we've kind of settled in, I think, in some ways to, to doing this. I think people are getting more used to things like live streaming church and social distancing and, and that sort of thing. But it seems to me that people are starting to wrestle with some new questions. People maybe have moved a little bit beyond what's happening and how are we going to make this all work to questions of things like, why is this happening? So I want to start, particularly given your kind of interest in both being a pastor and theologian, hence your, your move to becoming the executive director of the Center for Pastor Theologians. What are some things we need to think about when we consider COVID and God's activity or his responsibility in the midst of this pandemic? Yeah, so I think there's a, a couple of things that are important kind of biblically, theologically, and pastorally to to set the, the stage for the conversation. Um, I think the first thing that we need to uh, assert and recognize is that the the world is fallen, that, that human sin has brought effects into the world that are against God's design as the creator. And I think one of the, the clear passages of this is Romans 8. It talks about the world, mm-hmm. um, the creation groaning uh, in, in anticipation of redemption, but, but the, the, the world has been brought into that place due to human sin. So as we talk about um, you know, disease, pandemic, evil, I think it's important that we recognize that it is it is rooted in human sin. It is rooted in human rebellion. I think the other thing is that we see clearly in the scriptures that that God uses disease, plagues, other other things, weather, you know, to accomplish His purposes. And so I think as as we have the conversation about what's going on with with COVID nineteen. I, I think we we want to set it in this context of a fallen world that that has within it um, experiences that our sin has brought into the world that that go against God's design, um, while at the same time recognizing that God can use evil to accomplish His purposes. So. As, I'm, as I've been thinking about this biblically, theologically, pastorally, I, I've, I've tried to be thinking about it within kind of this biblical framework, this context of evil is a result of human rebellion. Um, God uses evil, and we see that. And then from that to say, okay, how did those things inform the way that we think about what's going on now, right? Mm-hmm. What's going on with, with this pandemic? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm of the view uh, that um, we're, for me personally, I don't feel comfortable saying I know exactly what it is that's happening mm-hmm. right now. 
right? That, that I don't have the mind of God that has declared to me, this is the reason that this pandemic is taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, we have in the scriptures, biblical accounts of God using plagues, but we also have revealed declarations about what God is doing mm-hmm. and why he is doing that. So, so I, I think there are just a number of these different ideas that we have to set in place and kind of hold intention as we enter into the, the conversation. Sure. Well, and I, I really appreciate what you're saying about kind of that, that humility that we have to have in terms of knowing the mind of God. I mean, far be it from any of us to claim that we know the mind of God perfectly. And we can, we can say that uh, in, you know, in the role of a, of a prophet. And this, this is exactly what's going on. Yeah. But I, I do want to ask, you know, I, I am with you in lots of ways in terms of what you're saying about how God uses things, but there are instances in scripture where God does, I mean, you talked about uses plagues, but there's, you know, think of the book of Exodus. He sends plagues. I mean, that's, right. that's very clearly uh, an action that God took. Now, please understand, I want you to understand, I want my listeners to understand, I'm not saying that's what's going on here. I don't want to, I don't want anybody to, you know, walk away from this and say, oh, you know, he says, he says that's what's going on. <laughs> right. But from a theological perspective, I think we have to, we have to include that in our kind of our, our thinking, at least, that that's a possibility that God does, or if he did, the question is, does he still, or could he still, uh, in, in terms of things like that today? Yeah. So, so I, I think you're right. And I, and I agree with that. I think we cannot eliminate uh, from this kind of framework of thinking about this, that, that God has sent this to accomplish a purpose. Um, so I'm not comfortable with going as far as I saw it. Uh, it was a kind of an op-ed or an opinion piece in Christianity Today over the is maybe last week that the headline was COVID-19 is not God's judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, that that does also does not demonstrate the kind of epistemic humility right. that I, I think we are called to have to be able if we if we I think rightly don't declare that we don't have the mind of God in one way, I think we also need to be careful not to declare that we have the mind of God in another way. And, and, yep. I, and I do see people out there making such declarations mm-hmm. um, that, that seem to me to, to have the same kind of, um, of assumption of access to knowing exactly what God's purposes are mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. And, and so if, if someone is uncomfortable saying, God, you know, I know God has sent this, I, I think we also need to be uncomfortable saying, I know God hasn't sent Absolutely. this. And so with that uh, openness, I think, to that, that position of, not knowing exactly and recognizing that we, we, when we look at this in Exodus and God sending, I mean, you know, sending, as you said, mm-hmm. sending plagues. We look at this, you know, First Chronicles 21, when mm-hmm. David takes the census, uh, God sends a plague for David's sin. It killed 70,000 mm-hmm. Israelites, right? Mm-hmm. And David is crying out to him, it was my sin mm-hmm. that did this. Um, God does things that, that make us uncomfortable. And and I, I think I think as as pastors as theologians as as biblical 
students, we have to be open to uh, a recognition that, that this could be from the hand of God. Mm-hmm. But I also think, you know, it, it puts us in, it, maybe it feels like it's kind of a, a squishy middle, but I feel a little bit more comfortable personally in that squishy middle, because if I'm going to say I don't have the mind of God on exactly why this is, then I also have to say that I, I don't, I can't eliminate that this mm-hmm. is from him. Now, right. I, I think we need also, one of the other things I've been noticing is people who have been declaring that this is from God, their declarations have been that this is from God against kind of the sin of the culture, mm-hmm. right? Or the, or the sin of the world. And, and, and one of the things I, I think it's important for us to observe is that when God sends plagues, uh, like this one in First Chronicles 21, when, when God, you know, I've been thinking about the story of Jonah. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he's running from God, it's not a plague, but he sends a storm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, when Jonah, when that storm comes up and people are trying to figure out what in the world is going on, Jonah says, this is on me guys, mm-hmm. right? This is my sin. It was David's sin. I think often the, the, it seems that many pastors, their first thought is if, a, if, if God is disciplining, if God is doing something, it's for the sin of the culture out there. Mm-hmm. But I, in my understanding, it looks to me like more often than not, when God does these things, he's do- doing things, he's bringing them upon his people. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think we have to be open to, if we do think this is from God, if we're trying or, you know, praying that through seeking to discern, then we also have to be open to what if this is from God upon the church or mm-hmm. upon us. What, what is God teaching us through this? Is there something he's disciplining us through this? So again, I'm not yeah. declaring that I know that's what it is. Sure. I just was, I'm just observing that as I've seen this declaration and others, mm-hmm. uh, it seems to be that oftentimes it's thought of, this is what God's doing to the people out there. Right. Rather than being open to, well, maybe he's doing this to us. Yeah. Well, I think, I think sometimes people look at the Exodus where, you know, you have such a clear demonstration of God's power and plagues and that sort of thing, which, which are directed uh, away from the people of God, but still to accomplish God's theological purpose. But I, I think you're right that we, in a sense, tend to use that. We think of that as the paradigm for how God right. acts, yeah. whereas most of the rest of of acts of judgment on that, that the people of God experienced exactly is because of their own, their own shortcomings and, and things like that. And I think you're right that we really have to be careful that we don't ascribe with certainty that it's a, a judgment of God or that it's not, or, or what's the reason is if it is and, and that sort of thing, because one of the key differences is that in those instances in scripture, we have somebody interpreting it for us. That is right. either a prophet or the biblical author inspired by the spirit or something like that. That makes a difference to, to understanding that. I, I, I would be very uncomfortable for someone to say, you know, this is, this is God's judgment on the, the world because of sin X uh, in the absence of, of a, clear, a clear statement from, from God. That would be, that'd be, make me very, very uncomfortable. Yeah, and and you know, again, I I think we we need to be 
discerning and praying and and seeking the Lord on this as to you know is this something from Him or in in what way is it from Him? Um, you know, at, at the same time though, we don't we don't ascribe if if you get the flu or if I get the flu, we don't ascribe individual sickness. Usually, we don't ascribe that to the work of God. Um, and so when we have a, a pandemic, that is a different category. And it is something that I think very clearly, however we think about the cause of it, I think very clearly what we can see is, well, there is an opportunity here for effects mm-hmm. that I, I think is very important for the church to be to be focusing on. And and I've kind of been thinking of this as, you know, the in this pastor theologian's context in which I kind of uh, identify myself and seek to do work in that as a, a pastor in a church who is doing theology from within the church and, and for the church, also teach at the seminary. That's a different kind of a setting and a context where theology is done as well. But my primary location is in the church. And in, 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 in that location, we, we tend more onto the effect side, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Pastors tend more onto the effect side. In other words, what is the effect that this is, is having in my people? Mm-hmm. What fears is this raising in them? What fears is this raising in me? What, what anxieties, what concerns, uh, people losing their jobs, what are the mm-hmm. economic effects? And then theologically reflecting on that, and I think this is where we, we do have a lot of biblical material, which is however we ascribe the relationship between suffering and God, mm-hmm. what we do see very clearly, I think, throughout the biblical narrative is God accomplishes certain things through suffering. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he, he wants to do things in us and he in our times of suffering, those are often the times when God is, is he has our attention mm-hmm. and, and, and we are more open to what it is that he might be doing as we are crying out to him, as we are struggling with our loss of control, right? All the things that I know many of us are feeling mm-hmm. during these days. And, and so I think on the pastoral side for me, it's been more of that focus on on the effect side and and what what are are people thinking about about God in this time what are they they realizing maybe their their idols mm-hmm. have been during this time and and how do we encourage that kind of thinking and reflection in our in our congregation mm-hmm. Yeah, it occurs to me that one of the challenges we face, and and as you know, Joel, I was a pastor as well, and mm-hmm. uh, is that we don't have, I don't think, in this country in particular, a good theology of suffering. I think mm-hmm. we, we think that we are insulated from it and that we should be insulated from it. And so I think that's, from my perspective, what often causes us to to jump to kind of well, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be God's cosmic judgment. You noted, you know, we don't, we don't think of this in terms of if I get a cold or the flu or something like that, we don't think of it in, in these big terms of God's responsibility for this. But 
you know, that's, it's really a question of degree, isn't it? I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's still sickness and it's still mm-hmm. viruses and, and this kind of thing. And, but I think because we, we don't have a very good theology of suffering, we, we then immediately jump to this kind of, you know, make a leap that says it's got to be this or it's got to be, it's got to be that. Uh, and yeah, and sure because, well, in the, in the American gospel, um, suffering is, runs counter to the American gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the American gospel fundamentally is a prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. not, not in the sense of just, you know, economic prosperity or financial prosperity, which is, I, I think, what most of us think of when we hear prosperity mm-hmm. gospel. We think, we think of the, you know, the people on TBN with the, <laughs> the bright suits and the, right. and the big hair, and that's what comes to mind. Um, what, what underneath that though, and I think this is rooted in so many ways in the, in the American psyche is that God exists to bless us mm-hmm. and bring us prosperity. And now that, that prosperity is not always economic prosperity in the way we think of it. It can be a good marriage. Mm-hmm. It can be great kids, right? It can be a good job. You know, if God's blessing me, I'm on the, I'm on that ladder at uh, the career path. Mm-hmm. And so then when suffering comes, that feels to us like an intrusion mm-hmm. that then we have to figure out, well, what happened? What did I do? Mm-hmm. What has gone wrong in order for this suffering to have come upon me? And then we seek to figure out how to fix it, mm-hmm. right? Because we, we have this idea, if, we, if suffering has come upon us, that has gone. That means that something has gone wrong, and then we have to fix it. Yep. Figure out what went wrong, and that seems to me to be quite counter to the biblical story mm-hmm. and the expectations of the early church, and how they understood the call to take up the cross and mm-hmm. follow Christ. That Christ meant it, right. and that that brought with it not prosperity in the way that we define it. That brought with it the call to to suffer. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I do think that this is another opportunity in the midst of this is to reflect on what is our theology of suffering? Where has it come from? Why, why do we feel that suffering when it happens is an intrusion? Mm -hmm. Now I think suffering ultimately is an intrusion, right? It's the intrusion of evil Mm -hmm. upon God's good creation. That, as I said at the beginning, is, is rooted in human sin and in human rebellion, which, again, I want to be very clear, that doesn't mean any suffering that we have can be directly uh, correlated to our personal sin. Right. But yeah. we live in a fallen world. Sure. And so suffering is a part of that. And God has not, he's seen fit in whatever, for whatever reason, not to do away with it mm-hmm. uh, immediately. Um, he has dealt with it on the cross. And we have the promise of it. This is, again, back to Romans 8 that we are looking forward to the day of redemption. We with mm-hmm. the creation are longing for the days when our bodies will be renewed and the world will be restored. And at that point, the sufferings of this age will not be considered uh, worthy to be compared to the glory that is yet to come. So we have that assurance, but Christ called his disciples into a life in which he said, you will suffer. Mm-hmm. So I do think that we have a, a lot of work to do on a, a theology of suffering, particularly in the American church. Well, and I think a corollary to that, too, is the idea suffering is an intrusion, and we have a right 
to be free of it. So, you know, right. we, we have, I mean, pain relievers of all sorts. And if you have any kind of pain, you, it's, it's almost like we have a, a God-given right to be free of that pain. And I think that flies in the face of what we see in, in Scripture at times. Now, obviously, it's a different culture and that sort of thing. But we note that, uh, you know, Paul writes and talks about the, the thorn in the flesh and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and God yep. says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power yeah. is made perfect in weakness. And so yeah. the idea that there can be a purpose, a redemptive purpose in suffering and in pain uh, is, I think, really foreign to, to most American Christians. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, and I think that, um, again, that's, that's rooted in this. And I think it, again, it goes, it goes back deep into the DNA mm -hmm. of American Christianity of this notion that, um, that God will bless us in the particular ways that we define that blessing. And so I, I think a, a more developed theology of suffering would, would serve us very well, uh, while at the same time being careful then of the, the, the way that can be misused, mm -hmm. right? Which is to a, a theology of victim blaming or a theology of, well, if you're suffering, it's from God in, mm -hmm. you know, in oppressive ways or in, you know, you, a, a woman who's in, a, in an abusive relationship, right? This mm -hmm. kind of thing. So we have to have nuance in our sure. theology of suffering very much. But um, I, I think it's just, it's a category we don't tend to think in. Right. Of the, like you said, the redemptive purposes of suffering. Mm -hmm. And that was a very clear category, in, particularly I think in the early church, mm -hmm. um, in, in the early martyrs. And I, you know, I'm not going to go out looking for martyrdom, <laughs> but, but there was a, in, in, in some of the early martyrs, right, there was this longing mm -hmm. to be martyred because in that you could participate in Christ's sufferings in, in profound ways. Mm -hmm. right? So I, I think that, um, that maybe one of the opportunities here pastorally, as we, as we, preach and teach during this time is to do some more biblical theological reflection mm -hmm. on suffering. I think for yeah. me, the other, the other piece I've been doing biblical, biblically, theologically with my, with my congregation is seems to me we have an opportunity, maybe like we'll never have in our lives again to see through the temporality mm. of the world and have a glimpse into the permanence of eternity, mm -hmm. right? When, when, when everything that we have thought, our daily rhythm, our, our, just the life that we're used to, the stock market, having church services every Sunday, you know, <laughs> everything that we're accustomed to, when all of that stops, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for looking through the veil mm -hmm. of the temporal that presents itself as enduring mm -hmm. and seeing that that simply is not true and that on as we look through that veil then we get a greater glimpse into what actually is enduring yeah so i've been encouraging my congregation to look for the opportunity in this time i wouldn't have signed up for it none of us would sign up for it but 
there is an opportunity in this time mm-hmm. to to uh, attune our hearts to the permanent things mm-hmm. that perhaps can take root in this time that will keep with us as things return to whatever normal is going to be, but as mm-hmm. life picks back up again. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, perhaps that can be a, a lasting uh, a consequence of this time. So in a practical way, how are you doing that? Because I, I just reflect on, I mean, I'm not pastoring right now. I'm, I'm preaching this coming Sunday, but uh, I don't do that regularly. And just thinking about how to communicate, there's, there's so much meat and depth and nuance that, uh, that's involved in this. And a lot of times folks are kind of looking for, uh, they're looking for assurance. They're looking for that. So how are you challenging your congregation to, to kind of think deeply about this at a, at a practical level? What are you, what are you doing to, to kind of get their attention to, to be yeah. thinking these ways? So uh, a, a couple of different things. Um, you know, I, I was never one before this to, you know, kind of stop and pause my day and take a little video of myself with a thought and then post it to Facebook mm-hmm. for people. I've been doing that more now just as, as a way to connect for mm-hmm. one thing, right? Just keeping the connection. But, but two, just to, to try to inject every few days, a, a, hopefully a, a biblical, pastoral, practical thought for how, um, how, how my congregants can connect with, with God. Mm. Uh, a lot of it has just been, I have each week as I have preached, I have said, there's an opportunity here. Mm. Don't, don't miss the opportunity. And, and we're anxious. We're afraid. We, you know, folks who are retired or nearing retirement, watching their 401k, just, you know, watching money drain out of that. We're feeling that. Mm-hmm. But don't let this opportunity slip away. Mm-hmm. And then what I've done in preaching is, I, you know, I was preaching through First Peter this this um, spring, and that kind of led me up for a little bit into this. And then I just sensed the Lord saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna kind of scrap that and, and and do something else. And and I, I honestly, I, I've just kind of been week by week trying to pray. And as I've been reading scripture, discern what I feel God is calling me to do. And for a a few weeks, I I did some passages that are about lifting up our eyes to the Lord. Mm. Right. And so I went to revelation four, where you see into the eternal throne room of God and said, this is what's true. Mm -hmm. This is what's real. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've been in the Psalms a little bit right now. I'm doing a, a little, little short series on, um, the children of Israel in the desert, mm. you know, being in this place where what they knew was gone mm-hmm. and what they're going to is not there yet. And what is God doing in that time? Mm-hmm. How is he at work in them? What is he shaping them towards? And so this past Sunday, I just, I preached out of Deuteronomy eight, kind of a summary of God. He's, he, he says there, I, I led you these 40 years to humble you, mm-hmm. to test you and to discipline you right and so then thinking practically what is what is god's work of humbling look like for you right now mm-hmm. what is how is he testing your faith right now how is he disciplining you right now what are the 
the things in your heart, right? It says in there that he tests to reveal what was in their heart, mm-hmm. to show what was in their heart. What, what is he showing you? What do you need to be paying attention to? And uh, be just encouraging folks really to be paying attention to their, their spiritual life during mm-hmm. this time and asking, what is it that, that God might be accomplishing through this time? Hmm. Well, it warms my heart to hear you uh, talking about preaching from Deuteronomy 8. Uh, that's, uh, I figured you would like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I knew this interview was coming, so I actually just did it so I could tell you that I had preached on Deuteronomy 8. So. Well, I, I appreciate that. That's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad to have such, uh, such power over you, Joel. Uh, well, yes, absolutely. So our, time is, our time is almost gone. This has been a great conversation. Are there any um, resources that come to mind that you would recommend for any of our listeners who want to kind of delve more deeply into some of these issues, uh, whether it comes to just kind of the issues of, of natural evil and God's responsibility or theology of suffering, that sort of thing, anything that jumps to mind. We'll put uh, any references you make to uh, in the show notes for folks to, to check out, but anything jump to mind? Yeah. So um, I'd say a couple of things. Uh, I think my, my there, there's a, a two different books on on kind of evil that I, I you know it's not particularly around plague or COVID but but um, um, Henri Blochet's book Evil in the Cross mm. uh, I think is a is a really a really excellent book on on uh, on evil and uh, how how that interacts with how we read Christ's story and, and what is going on on the cross. Uh, and then the other one is, is uh, N.T. Wright's book, um, uh, Evil in the Justice of God, mm-hmm. which I think, again, is another one um, that, you know, Wright just, he does very thorough biblical work. And mm-hmm. I think he, he has a, a, a I, I enjoy, I appreciate that book. Um, the other thing I'll do a little bit of, of self-promotion, self-promotion here for the Center for Pastor Theologians, I would encourage people to go to our website, uh, pastortheologians.org. We're kind of constantly populating with blogs uh, uh, from pastors within our network who are thinking about pastoring during this time, Mm -hmm. who are thinking about practical things like, do you take communion when the church isn't gathered? Mm. What is the theological um, argument for taking communion or not taking communion? What, What can you replicate online? What can't you replicate online? I'm about to post something there in the next day or so, um, going back to Bonhoeffer's life together. And at the opening of that, he talks about um, not taking for granted the physical gathering of the congregation. Mm, yeah. um, and those, those first few pages have been uh, speaking to me in a new way mm-hmm. uh, over these last few weeks. So I, I would just encourage folks to go to that, our website, pastortheologians.org, and to just explore some of the resources there that are uh, being posted. That's great. Well, we will definitely have a link uh, to that in the show notes. So you can check that out and and get there. Well, our time is up. Joel, thank you so much for joining me. This has been such a stimulating conversation and I'm sure it was helpful for our listeners. Thank you for being a part of it. Yeah, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Peter. God bless. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Whole and Holy. Uh, If you are interested in providing any suggestions or feedback for us, you can email us at whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. Once again, that's whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. We'd appreciate it if you would go to iTunes or Stitcher and 
uh, give us a review or a ranking, that sort of thing. The higher our, our ranking, um, our, the, the number of stars we get, the more easily people can find us. So we appreciate those positive reviews and, and rankings. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you in the future. God bless you. Stay safe. listening to Whole and Holy. This podcast is a production of Bethel Seminary in collaboration with Bethel University's Office of Church Relations. Please share your feedback with us, including ideas you'd like to see in future episodes, by emailing us at wholeandholy at bethel.edu. Once again, that address is wholeandholy at bethel.edu. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.